0: while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk.
1: Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest, Mitch Gray. Mitch has combined over two decades of experience as a former pastor, life coach, entrepreneur, community director, and creator to develop a brand of leadership that is, at its deepest level, human. Taken his heart for inspiring others and his passion for empowering leaders, Mitch creates the space needed to consider a new way of leading. Mitch is the creator and host of the Mitch Gray Show podcast, author of How to Hire and Keep Great People, highly regarded speaker, and leadership consultant. In this episode, Mitch and I are talking about leading and hiring teams. And what I can say is that it's so great to speak to someone who shares a lot of the same philosophies and is teaching a lot of the same things as I do about hiring within small businesses. So you'll hear from us how you can hire better team members, how you can learn to lead your team, especially when you're new to leading within your business. And you'll also hear Mitch say one of the things that I talk about all the time, how you need to approach hiring like marketing. So let's jump into the episode. Hi, Mitch. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast.
2: Jamie, thank you for uh, having me on. I'm excited for our conversation.
1: Yes. Can you kick us off with telling everybody a little bit about yourself and your business?
2: Yes, would love to. I am Mitch Gray, obviously. And I'm a small business and leadership consultant. I help small business leaders um, better their recruiting skills, hiring skills, culture design, uh, and really growing their business through those opportunities and and then uh, development after they learn to hire and recruit the right people. So i uh, been doing this work for quite a few years now, kind of took my background that is uh, pretty diverse and took all those experiences from the last 20, 25 years and tried to create something that can really help business leaders uh, not only grow their business, but reduce stress levels, enjoy their work, and just have fun while they're getting to work for themselves. So.
1: Love it, yes. So you mentioned taking all this information from your background. So did you come from an HR or recruiting background?
2: Uh, let's say yes and no. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, since I was a kid, all I ever wanted to do was be a pastor, and uh, since I was like ten years old, and so I got out of high school and uh, I went into seminary to to start, you know, becoming a minister, et cetera, and after I got done with seminary, that was a, basically a four-year degree rolled into two. So it was eight hours a day, five days a week for two years. And um, needless to say, after you get done with that much schooling in that little time, uh, you're you're burned out, But let's just say. So I, uh, I decided to kind of take a break from ministry before I jumped in after school, had a family. Uh, our second child was on the way, so I obviously had to work and make money and I had worked retail in high school. That was actually really one of my first real jobs, and I absolutely loved it. I was really good at it, so I thought, I'll just go get uh, a retail job again for a few years and get myself a break, and so I went to work for a high-fashion retail company called The Buckle, and that's really where I fell in love with business. Um, It's really probably the first time in my life I started considering that I could take my heart for people, my passion for inspiring people, and actually combine that with a love and a passion for business. And so uh, six months later, I was running my own multi 1000000 dollar store, didn't know how to recruit, didn't know how to hire. Um, I tell people all the time, after my first year of running my own store, I handed out, I think, 110 tax forms for a team of 12 to 15 people. That's how many wow. people I was going through, because that was my only solution. I'm a take action guy. So I'm like, I've got to learn how to hire people. So I'm just going to hire everybody that I can. Um, and that was really my first kind of toe in the water of uh, what does recruiting mean, what does hiring mean, et cetera. So I, I actually stayed with that company for about five years, went back into ministry, um, started what became became my favorite job. Three years later, got fired from that job, and so that that kind of sent me on this uh, this unfortunate but fortunate uh, path in life, where first time I'd ever gotten fired, really. I didn't know what to do. It was my dream job. It was my passion. And so I went to work for myself for really the first time and kind of started learning over the next 10 years after that about, again, how I how I could take my passion for people and create this leadership development, kind of personal development idea that was a bit different than maybe what you normally see in the marketplace. and. What that led me to was talking to business leaders where I constantly heard the complaint, we can't find anybody. And so I followed that trail. I'm like, why is everybody telling me they can't find anybody? When I was managing, I found all kinds of people. <laughs> and so <laughs> what, what I soon learned and really what I spent the last seven years kind of doing was following that path and trying to figure out why are you know so many business leaders telling me they can't find people. And the response became, for the most part, in generality, they don't know how. Um, and you know, I, I focus on small business. So what's crazy is ninety ninety-eight percent of the American economy is built on small business. Um, small business makes up ninety-nine percent of the economic revenue in our, in, in America, and almost in the world. And so, that really became a generalized pain point that all of these business leaders, who a lot of them are family-owned, a lot of them are less than 50 employees, a lot of some of them are even one or teams of one or two, and it's a high stress situation when they just can't find the people they want. And that's kind of what led to the book You know, over the last two or three years, that concept of how can I teach people to lead with compassion, to create clarity in their leadership, and then to create real clarity in who they need, why they need them and how they can help them align in that culture and in that work experience. So it's really become a work of passion, right? It's become a work that I think is going to help a lot of people and has helped a lot of people.
1: So you mentioned your book, what is the name of it? And how can people get it?
2: Yeah, so the book is called How to Hire and Keep Great People. Um, It's available everywhere released on August thirty first. I like to encourage people to try their local bookstore first. So most local bookstores are tied into the national distribution for books. That's how that works without getting too deep into it. So if you go to a local bookstore, ask them if they can order it. They should be able to order it, support local. If you're an Internet shopper, anywhere on the Internet, uh, Barnes & Noble, Goodreads, Amazon, Target, anywhere you can buy books. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah, there's a local bookstore here that we love. And, you know, that's where our first places are like, hey, can you order this for us? So uh, yeah, support local, definitely. But Mitch, I love so much of what you said there and shared about like your background, because I feel like the services that we offer are very, very similar. And I too did not come from an HR background. And um, I had experience hiring teams, leading teams and everything. And then very similar, realized that when I started talking to small business owners and I was like, okay, what do I do? How do I help businesses? I was thinking I was going to go do corporate leadership consulting, but I kept hearing small business owners say, I don't know how to hire team members. I've gone through eight bad team members in order to find one good person. I have right. spent five years trying to hire and I just can't figure this hiring thing out. And I'm just like, okay, well, let's get you help. And it at that point in time, I had such a hard time finding people who would really could really help small business owners. They all wanted to help the companies that had fifty plus employees, but right. two things, as you mentioned, majority of businesses have fewer than fifty employees, and two, you can't grow to more than fifty employees if you don't hire the right team early on. So I was like, right. "All right, there's this, there's this need, there's this huge need," and I'm so thankful that like there's other people like you that are helping. And like, one of the other things is like, you mentioned your passion for people. And that's also what made me realize that this is where I needed to be as well. Um, I remember going through this uh, one workshop to try to figure out, okay, what is your true passion? What is your calling and all that? And it didn't matter what the question was, what the topic was, every answer I put down had the word people in it someplace. And that's what I realized. I was like, all right. My business needs to focus on people. And I love it, as I'm sure you probably do. Not, It's people on both ends. Like one, you're helping business owners get what they need so they can be successful. Those teams yes. they need to support them. The teams that are going to take some of that stress off their plate that are going to help them all around financially, emotionally, and everything. And then you're also helping the people yes. who need jobs to put a roof yes. over their head, food on their plate, and don't want just be working for a paycheck, want to be working in a place that they're
2: truly connected to. Yes, 100%, 100%. You know, and it's kind of funny because going back to your HR question, I, how do I say this? Honestly, I pretty much despised HR because I just, I guess part of it is I didn't get it. And let's be honest, most companies that have HR departments, they're not human relations departments. They're um, policy departments, their procedural departments, their their uh, payroll departments. You know, a lot of meet small to medium sized businesses. Their HR department is basically a catch all from training to payroll to four hundred one k. And it's like, right. hold on a second. I thought this was human relations. <laughs> and so I always ran from that. And it wasn't until probably about two years ago when I started talking to. Uh, kind of business peers who had experienced positive HR departments, they were like, everything you're doing is HR. And I was like, no, it's not. Nothing I'm doing is HR. <laughs> and so really, it took me to kind of shift my mindset. But but that that is also similar to you, why I really pivoted from the corporate idea into the the more fluidity of small business, where they can adapt a little quicker. They're a little more nimble. There's less red tape. And you know, the great thing about small business is you can deal with the owner pretty directly. And in the corporate world, it's like you've got to go through all these institutionalized systems and change is just so difficult. So I'm with you. It's just a great place to be. And and like we both said, it sets up the majority of our economy. Um, and so why not impact that and have such a great reach?
1: Right. Exactly. So one question i have for you you talked about all these different areas where you help small businesses what is your favorite area of focus when you're working with a business
2: uh personal leadership development honestly because that's where it all begins um i was actually just on another interview earlier today and we really talked a lot about the leader has to know their why If you just start a business and you're just saying, well, I want to make money or I'm tired of working for someone else and I'm just going to start this business and move forward, nothing is in alignment because that's not a clear purpose. There has to be a real clear purpose of why are you starting the business? Why do you feel like the world needs this business? How does it relate to your passion? How does it relate to your skill set and where you're wanting to move forward? And gaining that clarity is a lot like what I call sitting in the ashes. It's very vulnerable. It's going to pull out some things internally that maybe you don't want to deal with. And that's my favorite part is sitting with a leader and going, "Okay, what is your real why? What is your real vision? What is your real purpose? Because truthfully, until they get through that, nothing else really matters because everything's going to be misaligned. There's always going to be a struggle. And the, the, the reality is versus the myth is being a small business owner should be a wonderful life. It's just that most people don't understand how to prioritize, strategize, plan, and clarify to bring about that wonderful life that being an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner can be about. And so that is, if I had to do one element and only one element, that would be it because that one element is going to change everything else. Oh, I
1: I love that. I feel like that is so, so important. It's funny because you mentioned people that left their jobs and decided to become a business owner pretty much because of bad bosses and stuff like that. And I find when I'm working with a lot of businesses, if that's the reason why they're starting their own business, they tend to be the worst bosses themselves. And I'll have the conversation. I was like, didn't you leave because of a bad boss? Do you realize (laughs) you are putting that same behavior out there towards your team? The reason why you left your boss, you are now that boss. Like, no wonder why you're having a hard time keeping your team members and and finding people who want to work for you.
2: So that's really the rule of reflection, right? So it's the idea that if you don't know how to do something, you simply reflect your own experiences. And so when someone says, I'm leaving a bad boss to go be a boss, but they don't know how to be a boss, they're going to subconsciously reflect all the experiences experiences that they've had. And so it takes a lot of intention, it takes a lot of purpose, it takes a lot of proactivity to go, okay, I'm going to start my own business because I'm tired of bad bosses, but the first thing I'm going to learn is how to be a really good boss. And but no one does that, right? They just kind of go forward without that clarity.
1: Right? It's one of those things where you think it's really not that hard until you're in it and it's like, oh, it's a lot harder oh, than I thought shoot. it was.
2: I totally underestimated this. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. So okay, let's talk about hiring though. Yes. And what are you what do you think are some of the top mistakes small businesses make when they're hiring?
2: Number one, lack of clarity. Um, that and and that's something that a lot of people don't connect with hiring. So the analogy I love to use is, and even the smallest business owner is gonna understand this. When when you start marketing. Whether you get on YouTube and look at a marketing video or you pour some resources into a marketing company, one of the first things that you're going to do when you start a marketing plan is you're going to identify your ideal customer. You're going to identify your target person. And when you do that, if you work with a marketing agency, the process they're going to take you through is, okay, so let's now paint the picture of that idea customer. Where do they live? Where do they play? What hobbies do they have? What cars do they drive? What food do they eat? Do they have a family? Are they single? And marketing agencies are going to take you through that step-by-step process. And a lot of companies, especially at the corporate level, they'll actually print out their ideal customer. They'll make an actual caricature of who they are trying to push their product toward. And the reason they do that is to keep it top of mind. So everyone gets that. And my proposal is when you're trying to get clarity on who to hire, you simply create your idea of candidates. Uh, What hobbies do they have? What books do they read? What passions do they have? What does their friend group look like? Where do they go in the evenings? And that's going to really start guiding you toward the type of people that are going to align with your culture. And so I would dare to say 95% of hiring leaders haven't gone through that process. It's kind of a gamble. It's a risk. it's It's a catch all. Um, There's actually a a third party app that's one of the most popular and their new commercial is hiring is all about numbers. So they're actually telling you the truth there. What that truth is, is that they're actually hoping you gamble on their services and they're going to cast a wide net and just hope they get somebody for you. And my proposal is hiring is about strategy and clarity and planning. And when you can be that proactive, it changes it. So that lack of clarity is the first thing. And then the second thing is lack of knowing the why. We talked about that a little bit earlier. The why is much less about the job description and much more about personality, presence and energy. So why do you really need this person? Or is it just a warm body? Do you think you need that person, but you maybe really don't? And so really, we're kind of pushing off the application and the resume and trying to figure out what is your purposeful intent on hiring this person. And th- those to me are the top two most critical mistakes that people make.
1: Yes. Oh, I totally align with all that. I, I feel like you're reading my mind. You're just, an <laughs> 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 which is a good thing. At least we're not getting on here and arguing about yes. Processes yes. And everything, <laughs> right. but, but no, it's, it's amazing. And I, I love that you bring up that, that one company that's like cast a wide net. I have so many clients that ask, well, you know, how many people are we, should we expect to get in and this and that? And they're looking for big numbers. They're like, they want to count. And I was like, hold on. No, no, no. That's not the game we play. We want to be very specific. So maybe we're only going to get 10 people to apply, but those 10 people are going to be what we want. I don't care about people applying that we are never going to interview because that's just a waste of their time filling out an application. And it's a waste of our time reviewing that resume. So it's like being specific.
2: Let's think about this as as a small business owner, specifically, you're basically a jack of all trades. You have to be, especially when you're talking about maybe local family operations, mom and pop shops where you're the accountant and the marketing manager and the HR person. I mean, that's the reality for a lot of people. So not only is this approach effective because it gives you clarity and specific strategy, but it's also efficient. And, you know, that a lot of people think just like you're saying, they're like, well, the most efficient way is to get more people in the door and I have more options. No, 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 that's backwards. The most efficient way is to lessen the noise, to lessen the amount of voices, to lessen the amount of applications and have a strategic plan on a couple of people. the odds are they're going to be great hires and they're going to stay with you for a long time and so that's actually the most efficient way it's kind of that idea when people tell you to niche down your message it's like yeah but if i give a great big message it'll catch more ears well it might but it's not going to resound with anyone and so yeah what you just said is the most efficient way to operate and so For a small business owner, that should be a really big kind of leveraging point is, ooh, I can actually be more efficient about this. It takes less time and I'm going to get a good hire. That's money in the bank, literally.
1: Right, right. Because your time is money, especially when you're the business owner. And like you said, you're wearing all these hats. Any minute you spend on recruiting is time you're not spending on something else in your business.
2: Yes, yes. And you better be spending time recruiting. (laughs) and doing it the right way yeah
1: yes definitely do it the right way or all that time you spend is wasted and you're gonna have to do it again and you don't want to do that and 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 but we can probably go on and on of like the cost of a bad hire and and everything but i before we get off top like off track to something else i do want to circle back to like what you're talking about the clarity and the why and i feel like that is so important when i'm Meeting with new clients, and we're going through, and I bring them through questions to help them really define who their idea team member is. It's a lot of figuring out that that bigger picture, that why why are they filling it? One of the questions I ask is, how will this role impact the company?
2: Yes.
1: And there's a lot yes. that they haven't really thought about that yet. And I'm like, okay, we need to know. Like how you envision this role impact in the company impacts who is right for this position. Yes. And one of the things I always say is, you could be hiring for the exact same set of skills as another person, another company. So let's say you're both hiring assistants and that to-do list is going to look the same, but who is going to be successful in company A is going to be completely different than who is going to be successful in company B because how you operate, how you interact with the team, how you want that person to impact the company is going to be different.
2: 100%. The phrase I like to use is an illustration and that is you have to get the right people on the right seat on the right bus. And so basically what you're talking about is those roles the alignment of culture of vision of mission of personality and what's funny is you and i are talking about all of this and we've dug into it and we've explored it and we've experienced it and we're not talking about resumes as the priority we're not talking about education as the priority and oftentimes those are a priority but for the most part we're just talking about people at a human level like who's gonna make sense and I ask a very similar question to what you asked, and that is what value is this role bringing? Because oftentimes people don't think about the value. They don't think about the impact. And when you all of a sudden have them kind of rate that on a scale, it's like they think a job is important. They think a role is important until you really measure the value. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's actually not as important as I thought it was. And and so really just understanding the the opportunities that they should prioritize versus the opportunities that are kind of the shiny new toy that, you know, and, and really in the World Wide Web social media age, it's like, well, this influencer said I see that a lot, right? This influencer said that I should hire at this role. It's like, well, that's great, but that's. Perceptive. I mean, it depends on who you're talking to and what your needs are. So yeah. I love that idea of value and impact and measuring those, those opportunities.
1: Yeah. It's one of the things that I feel like I'm always battling with people is they're like, well, I'm going to hire a VA because so many people out there have virtual assistants. And I'm like, hold on, wait, wait, Let's let's yeah. take a step back. A virtual assistant might be exactly what you need, but it might yes. not. Don't just hire a VA because it seems like everybody's hiring a VA. Let's figure out what you need. And sometimes they do, and other times they don't. And and I was like, if you hire the wrong person, sometimes it's worse Mm. than not hiring at all.
2: Yes, and I'm all about reducing stress, as I alluded to earlier. But I 100% agree with what you just stated. And that is sometimes it's just better for you to work in the stress and learn what you really need than making that bad hire, because um, especially when you're dealing with a small team, you know, the great thing about a small team is it is more fluid. It's more adaptable. You can kind of change things a little quicker. The downside to it is I could argue that every person you hire on a smaller team, the smaller your team, the greater the impact that hire has, because they all of a sudden have a circle of influence much larger than someone in a team of 500 people. And so what that means is you better learn how to hire the right people, put them in the right place, give them the right reason to show up every day. If not, it's going to be a compounded negative effect.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with that. And it's like a lot of times I talk about things where it's like people talk culture fit and there's a lot of people coming from the corporate environment and they're like, well, does it really matter if someone's a true culture fit and what does that really mean? And I'm like, listen, like you said, if there's a company of 500 plus people and you have one person who doesn't quite fit in with the culture, no one's really ever going to notice if that, as long as that person right. can produce the work that they need to produce. I was like, right. but when you're a small business and someone is in direct contrast to your culture, that yes. is a big deal. And, and then of course we go into what does it really mean to be a culture fit? You know, does it mean that it's your buddy that you're going to go hang out on weekends with? Possibly not, maybe, but maybe not, but it's like, but how do they fit into those, to your company values, your mission, and that what you think of as your brand?
2: Yeah, I like to define culture by how you live, move, and exist every day. It's that sense of being. How do you want the organism of your workplace to operate every decision, every moment, every thought? every action and so you know and, and and i love what you said about brand the only challenge to that is in a culture that uses the word brand so flippantly it's like okay so what does that really even mean what does that look like and it's that whole idea your brand should represent how you live move and exist and it's just kind of the symbol of what that looks like it's kind of the idealism And that everyday function, it it matters so much. And you want people that align, you know, I used to think about this when I was managing. I want people that if my culture and my purpose is clear enough, I want people that can can just react to that and respond to that without having to think. And -hmm. that's really that perfect alignment. They don't have to stop and go, oh my gosh, what should I do in this moment? But rather they have enough clarity and they have enough freedom to do their work that it's like, no, I can just act and respond and go forward.
1: Yes. Which brings me to something else I want to talk about today. So, all right. So we did our job. We had our clarity. We had our why we find our right person and now we're bringing them in. And I feel like too many small business owners want to jump from day one to perfect employee and not realizing that there's actions that need to happen in order to get that person there. So what, what tips and stuff do you have for business owners of how do you prepare your team for success?
2: So this is where I do relate a little bit to job description and that is I think a job description should be very skinny. In other words, I think it should be very simple uh, conceptually and actively. So when that person walks in on day one, rather than setting them up for overwhelm, you set them up for success. And so that can be industry-wide. If it's a sales job, then I think you should create some sales within those first couple of days. Make it simple. Make it easy. Let them go home at night feeling good about what's happened. If it's a performance job, like an assistant or an operations manager, set those expectations up a little more achievable in a way. What that does is it allows that new hire to go, oh, wow, I can actually do this. This is actually enjoyable. But also for you as the owner or the manager it lowers those expectations of man i've got to get this hire right you have to trust the process and if you've clarified and you've hired the right person make that job description and those expectations much less in the beginning and you can give them the vision you can say hey in six months here's where we want performance to be or responsibility in a year here's where we want responsibility and performance to be but to start We're going to take some small steps, set you up for success, make it a lot of fun, get you to, you know, bring your passion to the table, and then we'll go forward from there. Because really, you're going to let them dictate how fast you teach. You're going to let their aptitude for learning dictate the opportunities that you kind of open up every day.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I think that aligns very much with a lot of like what I do, especially you mentioned the words small steps. And it's a reminder, like, you're not going to come in and be like a fire hose of information because they're going to go home overwhelmed, stressed out. They're not going to grasp things because they're trying to take on too much at once. Uh, One of the ways that I always look at it, especially because a lot of times small business owners are like, I'm so busy. How do I train this person? And so I love what you said, like giving them small things that they can accomplish and do. And that aligns very much to with what I do. It's okay. Train them on A so that way they can do A. Then you train them on B so they can do A and B, then C so they can do A, B, and C. And you keep doing that, training on like one thing at a time until you get through everything instead of trying to get through everything in one day.
2: You're better off having people that are a master of fewer things than average at many things. And that may mean that you have to change your strategy a little bit, and that's okay. But let's just take, for instance, say someone needs to hire a graphic designer. You know, really where people get caught up is like, okay, well, I need to know someone who knows graphic design. No, that's not true. You need to know someone who's interested, curious, and passionate about graphic design. And you may need to buy them a course on how to be a graphic designer. And that's what you want. You would rather invest in that person from the beginning than bring someone in who doesn't fit who you think knows everything. So if that's the scenario and you have to train them a little bit on that or buy a course or get a YouTube video, whatever that looks like let them focus on that. Let them succeed at that first, because then their buy-in and their sense of ownership is going to skyrocket. And that's what you want. You want a team of people who feel like they're owners at the end of the day, because that is a team of people that are going to perform incredibly.
1: Yeah. And I feel like there's there's something that you said there that's so important, especially for small businesses, because like you said, Hire the person that you know has the, has the passion and everything, and you can train. And it's one of those things where I always say, okay, you need to figure out what that bare minimum minimum is with skill. Hire for that, but the rest you can train on. And but with the example that you brought up, one of the reasons why I really want to circle back to that is right now, the hiring market is a challenge, right? Hire market fluctuates all the time so who knows by the time this episode airs things might be back to normal <laughs> but right now there's a lot of industries and stuff where things are a challenge which means the highly talented people are finding new jobs like that which so I've had a bunch of clients where we've had to have the the hard conversations of you're not going to find that perfect team member right now so if you need to hire what can you be flexible on and the one thing That we sometimes talk about is let's go a little bit less in the skill set where you can train them up. Do they have this basics? Do they show the ability to learn? Can they grow into that team member instead of going to the person who already has it? Because some of these other people that are just at that next level down could be where there's that really great pool of candidates that right now are having a hard time finding jobs because everyone wants those highly skilled candidates. And then also, as a small business owner, One of the things that I know I hear a lot of times is, I don't know if I can afford it. Can I afford that skill set? Can I afford that? And sometimes when you go with the person who needs a little bit more training, you can pay less because they're at that that more entry part of their career, the entry part of that skill set. So you're paying for that beginner rather than paying for that, that seasoned expert.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a question of value again, right? It's like, what, what are you going to value the most? Are you going to value culture, alignment, personality, presence, energy the most? Or are you going to value skill set the most? And if we just sat down with a piece of paper and wrote down, what are the jobs that actually need walking in the door, certifications, degrees, et cetera? Okay, so doctors, obviously, anything in the medical field, lawyers, school teachers, et cetera. So we're not talking about those, though. Those don't make up the majority of careers that we're talking about. When we're talking about 98% of the economy being small business, we're talking about sales, food service, uh, customer service. We're talking about jobs that most of the time you don't need those hard skill sets. Walking in the door, they can be learned. And when you, I love your your uh, example because when you take someone and you recruit someone who may not have that higher skill set but they have the propensity that you're looking to, to align with your culture. When you all of a sudden invest in that person and help them become a graphic designer or an accountant or whatever that is, you talk about building loyalty. I mean, that person, you know, and the data shows us that that's what people want. They want an opportunity to advance their career. They want an opportunity to be invested in. And when you show someone that that's an incredible culture that you're creating. And so You know, going back to hiring, I actually believe the hiring market is on fire right now. Here's why. Because a lot of people are looking for transition. A lot of great people are. And if you're learning to recruit actively, I'm not a passive recruiting teacher. I'm an active lifestyle recruiting teacher. And so if you're spending that time recruiting, when you go get coffee, when you go shop, when you go to the grocery store, when you go out for dinner, when you go to the movies, when you go to the tire store, if you're looking for people all the time, the hiring market is actually on fire, because what that last 18 months taught people was, is they don't want to work a crappy job. They want to work at a place that they love to go to every day. So if you have clear culture, if you're an empowering leader, if you're a leader that's going to help and invest in people, you're going to, there are a ton of people to recruit right now, a ton. But the word is recruit, not wait on them, because if you wait on them, then the scenario flips.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And I feel like, that's one of the things like I tell my clients and everything is right now we can we can definitely, uh, because of the way we approach hiring, which is very similar to yours, yeah. find that right person. So yes. there's a lot of people who are leaving jobs because of the fact that they realize their their past job was not what they wanted. It was not the idea yeah. situation for them. And now, because we're clear on the position, because we're clear on the why and using all the language that you used earlier today, yeah. um, We can go and paint that picture of what this position is. So that way we can get those few candidates that we're looking for, who really want to work at your company and spend our time there. The only problem is, is sometimes just cutting through the noise because there's so many positions out there right now. But, um, like I, a lot of my clients right now that we're working with in recruiting, we have so many people that they're like, I've done my research this is where I want to work like and you know they're coming in very knowledgeable about the company when they're starting that hiring process because candidates are doing their research to find the right place
2: yeah so what does that tell us as business owners if the marketplace is getting smarter then we're gonna have to get even smarter and and I think that's where sometimes especially small business leaders again the reality of it being a small business leader is you have a lot on your table and so you have to decide what what's going to be priority here. Is priority going to be building an all-star team that I know will build my business? Or is priority going to be putting out fires and constant confusion and constant stress? And so if, you're, if, you're, if your priority then becomes, I'm going to build an all-star team that I know will grow my business, then that becomes your main focus. And that becomes the idealism that you're pursuing. And when you're doing that, you're going to be able to kind of in a way outsmart the people that are getting smarter from a standpoint of becoming a better recruiter, learning some new tips and tricks, learning new phraseology, learning how to integrate recruiting within your everyday life. And that kind of becomes, you know, as small business leaders, we can't be stagnant. And I think a lot of people fall into that. I think we unintentionally become a little bit lazy from the standpoint of overwhelm. It's like, I already have so much to do, I can't add another thing. And okay, so let's pull some things back and really prioritize what's going to help you play the long game, um, because that's what we should be in it for as business owners, is we're looking at a 10, 20, 30-year window, not a one-year window. And that kind of changes those priorities a little bit. But yeah, you're right. The marketplace is getting a lot smarter. They're understanding things a lot better than you know, maybe maybe even five years ago. It's kind of interesting how things evolve.
1: Yes, yes. It's one of those things where candidates are controlling the market more than they used to, but I think it's it's a good thing.
2: I agree, I agree.
1: Like businesses have to be on top of their recruiting. You know, they're not, they can't just hire whoever, they need to be smart.
2: And it's interesting, uh, Back back when the pandemic first kicked off, I was talking to a few clients and of course everyone at that moment in time was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Like everyone was kind of paralyzed, right? <laughs> And my phrase quickly became, the innovators are going to thrive during this time. The traditionalists are going to die off really quickly. And that's actually what we're seeing play out. The people that are innovators and are kind of going, okay, we've got to play the game differently now. And that's that's what leaders have to do when it comes to recruiting and hiring. Is It's like, that's why I really enjoy kind of the old school tactics. What we did 20 years ago before the internet is... I think putting a lot of that flesh and blood uh, back on the game in a world of technology, in a world where we're seeing computer screens, when we can really put that flesh and blood and that humanity back on it, I think that's what's going to make people stand apart from everything else that's going on.
1: Well, we are getting to the end, but I have one more question that I want to ask based on that, because I want to get your opinion, because I have strong opinions about this. You mentioned (laughs) the technology and getting back to the old school method of things. There's apps out there right now, technology out there right now that is taking the two way out of video interviews is just sending a list of questions that the candidates have to record themselves answering. What are your opinions about those?
2: So again, I'm going to go back to we're talking to small business leaders, Um, you want to control as much as possible, because the smaller your team, again, we're going to say it again, the smaller your team, the greater impact each employee has. And there's no way you can project culture or alignment or presence through technology or, you know, a questionnaire. And so that's why I firmly believe in firsthand recruiting, either by you or your all-star teammates or your all-star customers. I think you should be constantly building a Rolodex of people that you can recruit. Now, third-party apps that we're talking about, those just become a tool in the toolbox. I like to say, if you you should build your all-star team from firsthand recruits. And then if you find someone on a third-party app that's really great, that's a bonus. But your foundation should never be recruiting that way. It's just not going to work. I mean, and the data shows. It's showing that the turnstile effect, casting the wide net, it's just not served up for longevity.
1: Yes, yes, I agree 100%. And I also feel like when I do some of the initial phone screens and everything for my clients, I ask There's the power and the follow-up. Yeah. Like they say yep. something and I'm just like, oh, I want to dig a little bit deeper into that or hearing yes. like what they said or sometimes... As I always like train my clients, we don't lead the witness with our questions. So sometimes we ask a more general question and then we narrow down on purpose through the follow-up. You can't do that through an app where you're like, here's the question, answer it. They could go and tell you something that you're like, okay, well, that's not exactly what I wanted, but you can never find out if they actually have an example that supports what you wanted because you have no opportunity for follow-up. And I just feel like it's, in my opinion, the lazy way of trying to recruit. And yeah. you're you're making an investment in a team member. You need to be willing to put some time into that potential team member to understand if they're the right fit
2: for your team. Interestingly enough, that's the word I use, <laughs> and lazy. And, and really what I think has happened is the the availability of those third-party apps has actually made the business owner lazy. I don't think by nature, business owners are lazy, obviously. But I think that convenience has made them very lazy and and kind of apropos about, well, you know, I'm just going to put it out there and see who I get. And that is the worst way that you can ever try and hire people. And so, you know, I want to go back to real quick what you said about interviewing. That's the other thing that a lot of people don't take seriously or intentionally is the art of interviewing. And, and I want to give give the listeners just a real quick free snippet. One of the best ways you can interview people is just to start with the statement, hey, Jamie, tell me a little bit about yourself. That one statement, if you listen to that response, I've had interviews that go for an hour after just making that one statement, because you listen to what they respond, the story they tell you. If, if Jamie says, well, I was a collegiate athlete and played you know, volleyball, and I was a three time all national player. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, Jamie, Jamie has crazy good work ethic because that takes a lot of work. And you're noticing those, the story that they're telling. And so, just that one little bit, that little statement can take an interview a really, really long way. But on paper, you don't get that. You just can't exactly. replicate it.
1: Exactly. All right, Mitch, well, we need to start wrapping up for today. So, tell people how can they get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, uh, one of the great places I love to be is on LinkedIn. So just look up Mitch Gray on LinkedIn, G-R-A-Y. Instagram and Twitter is M Gray Media again, G-R-A-Y. My website right now is Mitch Gray Media, but we are building a new website that'll that'll uh, be live in a couple of weeks. That will be recruitgreatpeople.com. And so that'll be a great resource site that people can go to. Um, I'll announce it again here. I did on an early interview, we're actually creating a curriculum. Uh, Of how you can recruit, hire, develop, and uh, be a better leader. And so that'll be coming out in the next couple of months. And that's going to be a great opportunity for people to dig a little deeper into kind of their philosophy of hiring and recruiting. So, and then go over the book, how to hire and keep great people anywhere you order books. um, Yeah. And if you need help, I know you offer great services. We've got services that we offer for consulting as well. So we'd love to connect with people.
1: Yes, exactly. So that's one of the reasons why I love having people come on that offer similar services to me because we talk about hiring. We talk about yes. how not everybody is right for everybody. So there's people who might yes. be like, Jamie, I love what you're talking about, but you're not the right person for me to work <laughs> with. So maybe Mitch is the right person for you to work with. So you know, check out his services as well. All right, Mitch. So my last question for you that I love to ask all my guests. We've all had leaders or managers that stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager you have had and can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you
2: so i actually tell the story in uh, in the dedication part of the book um when i told you i went from seminary into high fashion retail management uh, my manager that uh that i worked for in the beginning his name was terry Mans, and he was the manager of the store he was actually a district manager and his wife Jackie was his kind of co-manager, assistant manager. She actually hired me. He didn't want to hire me, so she talked him into hiring me. So she takes all the credit. But um, Terry was incredibly influential to me. That was, gosh, that was twenty three years ago. I guess now at this point, twenty two years ago. But we're still friends. But the the greatest lesson I learned from him is when he when he offered me my own store. I had only been there six months. There were five or six managers that were way ahead of me in that store. I was like, man, why Like, why did you choose me? There's all these other people that kind of deserve a store. And I kind of felt guilty to be honest. And he's like, I'm gonna tell you a story. I said, okay. And he goes, it was one day during the Christmas season. We were slam packed, one of our bigger days of the year. Um, everyone was busy. You were helping multiple guests. Everyone was helping multiple guests. And there was this piece of trash on the floor. And he said, I watched every other manager walk by that piece of trash and not pick it up. He said, all of a sudden you walked by, stopped, saw it, picked it up and threw it away. And he said, and I knew in that moment in time that if you cared enough about my store that much, then you're going to be able to run your own store. And the point was leaders have to be intentionally looking for those opportunities and being aware of those opportunities and noticing those opportunities. People will show you who they are. You just simply have to listen. And that was such a great, you know, I took it as a compliment on myself, but it was such a great idea that Terry saw that, noticed it, and promoted me, of course, from other actions. But that one single small action really kind of cemented in his mind, hey, this kid can do something special. And that that's a really cool thing. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that story. And I look forward to getting your book and, and hearing more about that and your other experiences that you have to share.
2: I love it. Thanks, Jamie.
1: Yes. Thank you, Mitch, so much for joining us. And that wraps up this episode of the growing your team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.